You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good here at Nation and welcome to the Locked on Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. We are brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team every day. Ross Jackson here, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com, your source for up-to-the-minute Saints news for Saints fans by Saints fans. And you know what it is. Go ahead and throw me a follow over on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. If this is your first time catching the podcast, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Exciting time to join the show as rookie minis are starting to get underway. So if you want to keep up to date with all of those off-season workout programs as we lead into the 2019 season, be sure to subscribe, share, rate, review. All of that is a big help to me, but also will help you stay up to date when new episodes drop every Monday through Friday. And remember, you can find Locked on Saints on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as just about anywhere else you get your podcast. And when you're out on the road, be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Saints. And welcome to this week's final episode of Locked on Saints. Before we pick it back up at the top of next week, be taking Saturday and Sunday off as usual. The we- the rookies have signed. Minicamp is underway this weekend. And Ziggy Anza also signs, but not with a team that you might have hoped. And the Saints also have the best undrafted free agent class in the league, according to Thor Nystrom over at rotoworld.com. So there is a lot to cover today. But first, I want to shout out Barry Hurst as he tried to get on the show again this week, but still feeling ill. Make sure you show that man some love. He is out there working his tail off. He's going to be with us on Tuesday of next week, though, to discuss everything that he observed in rookie minis. But today, it's all about getting you all the information you need to know ahead of those mini camps to get you ready for the weekend. So thank you very much for joining me on today's Friday episode of Locked on Saints. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you right here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and get started today. We're talking about Thor Nystrom's article over at rotoworld.com where he ranked all of the undrafted free agent classes across the NFL. And you already heard me talk about how the Saints were rated number one. So we're going to talk about this, and I'm using this as a little bit of a precursor. This is kind of a preheat. Thor and I are talking about getting him onto the podcast next week, sometime after Mother's Day, so that he can talk a little bit more in detail about this. But I want to give you a heads up about this in case you haven't seen, uh, in case you haven't seen this article yet and seen where the Saints rank. So of course the Saints, as I mentioned, rank number one in terms of Thor's look at the undrafted free agent class across the NFL or all of them across the NFL. Uh, and they were able to do so because of the fact that, I mean, you could look at his top three undrafted free agents that the Saints brought in, Divine Zigbo, Carl Grandison, and Chase Hansen. Now you already know where I stand on Carl Grandison. My opinions of him are reserved until after his trial in July. But in terms of his ability as a football player, he, Divine Zigbo, and Chase Hansen all rank within in the top 205 overall players on Thor's 500, top 500 list. So that means they should have been drafted. They were, within, they were within the top 254, so they should have been drafted per his metric and per his rankings. So when you look at that, Divina Zigbo at 149, Carl Granderson at 156, and Chase Hansen at 204, these are guys that should have been drafted in the fifth or sixth round, essentially. So you're looking at these players that bring some intense value and sort of supplemental value to the fact that the Saints only had five draft picks, but essentially were able to bring in, if you use this metric and you look at it objectively, potentially 
brought in eight draft picks <laughs> to, to, to be real because you're looking at three guys that should have been drafted per these rankings. So again, that's Divine Zigbo, the running back, Carl Granderson, uh, the edge rusher, and then Chase Hansen, the linebacker. Now, we know here in New Orleans that there's a lot of reason to get excited about undrafted free agents, but there's also a lot of reasons to have your reservations. It's usually guys that you don't actually know about that end up cracking that 53-man roster while the guys that you root for end up going to another team. That's just how it works out. Uh, you heard Larry Holder and I talk about it, that it's not an easy road at all for undrafted free agents to make a roster. And especially this year with the Saints roster, that's pretty stacked. I mean, there's not really a lot of, there's not really a lot of space on this roster. There aren't really holes to fill or anything like that. I mean, I wrote on Twitter about how I think that it's interesting, especially having gone through the 2014, 15, and 16 seasons as a New Orleans Saints fan, that the biggest concern right now, it seems for Saints fans, is the number three position as of, of, of the defensive end, right? The defensive end three position. That's the biggest concern across Saints fans right now. And that's an incredible feeling. I think the defensive interior is still something to be concerned about a little bit with Sheldon Rankin's missing, but you just have to know that that's the case. And then we'll see what it is that the Saints are going to do. But a lot of people are mostly concerned about the third defensive end position. And that feels incredible to be worried about that as opposed to the entire secondary, Jairus Bird and Corey White, for instance. It, it, it's, a, it's an enormous improvement. And so when you look at what the Saints did during the draft and bringing in these five guys that, you know, really relying on their board and going after the five guys that were at the top of their board at each of their selections, and then to be able to turn around and look at what they did in undrafted free agency, bringing in at least three players that should have been drafted per these rankings. And then you look at other people's rankings and Emmanuel Butler, somebody that on some boards could have been drafted. Lil Jordan Humphrey is certainly somebody on many boards that could have been drafted. Porter Gustin falls onto some boards as a draftable player as well. So it just kind of depends on who you're talking to. But if you look at that and then you sort of consider across multiple boards, that's another six players that the Saints essentially signed in undrafted free agents that were draftable, quote unquote, players. So the Saints had an incredible undrafted free agent class here. And you can also, I would argue, Ethan Greenridge, who per uh, Thor's top 500 ranks 257, you could argue that that's a draftable position. That's a draftable number there. So that's somebody else that could have been drafted as well. So when you look at that, the Saints did a really excellent job at sort of supplementing their smaller draft class with essentially NFL talent or potential NFL talent. So this is something to really keep an eye on. Uh, and I think that we all know that this is something that we've all been waiting for as we move into rookie minis here, getting ready to watch these players sort of figure things out, learn the playbook a little bit. Of course, it's minicamp, so there's no contact. There's not full, you know, there's not full speed blocking. There's none of that's happening. They're not in pads, nothing like that. It's just about learning the playbook, learning the communication, learning the language, working with the coaches, working with each other, all of that, things like that. So it, it, it's an exciting time. Uh, and I think that with this undrafted free agent class paired with the 2019 Saints draft class, there's a lot of reason to be excited about this weekend. And that's what we're going to talk about next because Thor also went a step further and combined the NFL draft class with the undrafted draft classes to put together who he believes had the best combined draft class or hall, as he calls it, in the NFL. And we'll look at where the Saints rank there coming up right after this break right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. 
All right, Hood Nation, welcome back to Locked On Saints, your team every day. We just talked about the undrafted free agent class being ranked the number one class by Thor Nystrom over at Roto World. Again, Thor is going to be coming on next week to talk a little bit more in detail about that. And as well as our next topic here to where we talked about the draft hall grades, which is the combination of the actual players selected in the draft and the undrafted free agents being the entire quote unquote draft hall and where the Saints ranked across all 32 teams there. And they come in with a hall grade of an A, which ranks them as the number four draft class across the 32 NFL teams, according to Thor and this metric that combines the number five draft class and the number one undrafted free agent class to give you this A graded number four class across the board. So with this being the case, a little bit of what we already alluded to, Thor mentions that the Saints, would, despite only having two top 175 picks and three top 230 picks, the Saints were able to walk away with seven people, seven players that Thor had ranked within his top 205 across his top 500 ranking. So some of those names are, of course, everybody that was drafted with the exception of Saquon Hampton. Uh, this, uh, this, this ranking has him at 235, which means still draftable. And he was selected at 177. So it's not a huge reach in terms of what this is. But of course, for the Saints, it wasn't a reach at all because they had Saquon Hampton in their top 70. And then when you look at the guys that we already also mentioned, Divina Zigbo, Carl Granderson, and Chase Hanson, that gives you your seven players within those four that were drafted and then the three that were brought in in the undrafted free agent class. So this is just a really, really solid offseason in terms of rookies for the Saints. And really, what has been a a very solid and very successful offseason all the way through, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment because I know some people were a little bit soured by the fact that Ziggy Anza signed with Seattle, but we'll come back to that. So this is not a bad, uh, this is excellent. Let me not say that this isn't bad. Let Let me be real. This is excellent for the Saints that are coming into a position to where, you know, you're looking at this, if you look at it objectively, you're potentially looking at the Saints' final real ride with Drew Brees, right? That window is closing. Will it close after this season? Will it close after next season? We don't really know yet, but this is something that is fresh on a lot of Saints fans' minds. And so what the Saints or have been able to do so far this offseason is really, and, and really the last few draft classes, is really prepare themselves to be a team that can function once Drew Brees decides to hang up the cleats. And when the, the you know, look, they might have some trouble at the quarterback position for a little while, but the Saints and Sean Payton have vocalized very much that they're very confident in what Teddy Bridgewater brings to this team. They look at Teddy Bridgewater as the next guy up from Drew Brees. He's only on a one-year contract right now, but the idea with that was to sign into a one-year backup contract and then pay him starter money when he becomes a starter. And Teddy Bridgewater has already referenced that he's betting on himself and giving himself the opportunity to uh, be able to take over for the Saints just like, you know, 13 years later after Drew Brees sort of bet on himself and did the same thing just in a different fashion because he didn't come in as a backup. But still, I mean, you, you look at the Saints that are doing a really great job within these draft classes of putting together offensive line that can protect whatever quarterback is back there after Drew Brees. Uh, weapons along the offense in Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and signings such as Ted Ginn Jr. You can look at the potential of Cameron Meredith, and then you look at last year's draft with bringing in Traquan Smith as well. Weapons for the quarterback to be able to use. You have a great run 
running back in the back, and there's no better friend for a young quarterback or a quarterback trying to return to form than having a solid running back. And then you look at the signing of Jared Cook, who's on a two-year contract. He's somebody that could be a perfect safety valve for a quarterback that's trying to establish a rhythm with a new team and a new offense. You look at Elise Mack, who has the potential to develop into a player that could become a great pass-catching weapon and another safety valve for a young quarterback or Teddy Bridgewater. So they're really doing a great job at building toward the future. Now, when it comes to these undrafted free agents, you look at Divine Azigbo, Carl Granderson, and Chase Hansen in particular as these players that have had the potential of being drafted and are players that a lot of people see as NFL talent, right? So you look at that and those are further signings that could potentially build toward a future, whether they end up on the practice squad in New Orleans or whether they crack the 53-man roster or maybe they, you know, do just like we talked about and what we alluded to earlier to where the Saints do a good job at just finding NFL talent, period. They go on somewhere else, but if they land with the Saints at any capacity, practice squad or active roster, that again starts to build for the future for New Orleans. So this isn't something that this is one of the reasons why I think that these offseason workout programs this season are very, very important because you're not just looking at short-term success, right? You're looking at that a little bit because you want to you want to go to the promised land again with your breeze. You want to give him that and you want to do that while you have that while there's less questions to be answered, right? You know what you have in Drew Brees and with this offense. So you want to be able to create some short-term success, but you also want to be able to continue to build for the future so that your organization isn't completely screwed when he when he decides that he has done enough and then he goes and he runs for mayor or whatever it is that he does next. So there's a lot of opportunity for the Saints right now with this draft class, with this undrafted free agent class, with the draft classes of the recent past to be able to set themselves up for a success in the future. And you you know, Larry Holder and I talked about how tough it is for these players to crack the roster, but we also talked about players like JT Gray, who ended up finding their way onto the roster, um, d- despite the fact that there were players that were drafted that essentially did what JT Gray, that could do what JT Gray did to get to the roster. Just JT Gray as an undrafted free agent was able to do it better, louder, and bigger, and was able to put himself on display. So that's, that's an excellent sort of way to look at what the Saints might be able to build here. You know, I, I love that when I ask people to list off their top six wide receivers for the Saints that a lot of people selected Emmanuel Butler. And Emmanuel Butler, is, you know, out of Northern Arizona is not a wide receiver that a lot of people are paying attention to, but he's exactly that kind of prospect that the Saints might say, you know what, let's give him a shot. And whether he ends up on the, um, whether he ends up on the practice squad and then is somebody that could potentially find his way to the active roster with injuries, or if he's somebody that just finds his way to the active roster if the Saints decide to keep that many wide receivers. I personally think that if any undrafted free agent wide receiver is going to make the Saints roster, it's going to be Deontay Harris because he brings that return specialist ability that the Saints haven't had in quite a while and never were really able to find and achieve with Tommy Lee Lewis. And I know that they brought in Marcus Sherrills as a punt returner, but maybe they keep him and Deontay Harris as kick returner, punt returner, or Deontay Harris steals the position altogether. Just because they signed Marcus Shells to a contract, this one-year contract in the offseason, doesn't mean that he's a lock for the roster at all. He could still be cut because there's not really a huge guarantee on his contract at all. So the Saints could easily move on from him if Deontay Harris does what he needs to do and it ends up winning uh, winning that spot as a record-setting returner out of Assumption College. So, all right, everybody. Uh, so that's kind of my rant <laughs> about, uh, the, about some of the undrafted free agent signings and in particular these wide receivers. But uh, the, the main thing here being Thor's rank 
rankings, ranking the Saints number four overall in terms of the number five draft class, number one undrafted free agent class. Again, he's going to join us next week to talk a little bit more in detail about his grading system, what it is that he used to balance out his metric, what that uh, formula was, and then what this means for the Saints moving forward. So that'll be coming up for you next week. Right now, we're going to jump to a break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk a little bit about this offseason and whether or not your perception of it should change based on Ziggy Anza signing in Seattle. i got that coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, welcome back to Locked on Saints, your team every day. Closing out the show today, talking about some news with Ziggy Anza. I get the question a lot, what's the news on Ziggy Anza? What's the news on Ziggy Anza? Well, I'm sure that you already know, but he has signed a contract, a one-year $9 million contract, potentially up to $13 million with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, a lot of Saints fans might be a little disappointed by that because they were hoping that he would you know, be able to sign with the Saints and that the Saints would have that rotational third defensive end that could rotate and share some snaps with Marcus Davenport. However... One of the things that I have seen is people say that the Saints would have had a successful offseason if they would have signed Ziggy Anza. And I think that that's just a little bit too far, honestly. I think that it's, I think that you can't shape your perception. Okay, so let, let, let me pose the question first, and, and I'll let you think about it for a second before I go into my whole spiel, because I wrote a whole article about it. You can see it on allsaintsconsidered.com. But um, it is not signing Ziggy Anza enough of a uh, of a loss for the Saints to shift your perception of the Saints otherwise successful offseason I think 100% no it's not enough because and I presented this thought in the article as well and then some other news came out about uh, Ziggy's injury Uh, but I don't think that the Saints really lost out (laughs) on Ziggy I don't think they missed on Ziggy I think that they chose not to sign Ziggy after his after his injury and with his setback i think that you know they they took the time to visit with him because they did they, they spent some extensive time with him and then he went through his physical and then he came out and then visited a bunch of other teams but then there was no word on the saints front after his physical and after his medicals came back about whether or not they were still interested in him and i think the reason for that is because they simply were not and then the news came out that he could potentially be missing some extended time to open the season that he probably won't be ready for training camp and potentially could miss up to the first month of action uh with the seattle seahawks and when that news dropped and that was per adam Schefter, by the way that just made the world of sense to me that of course the saints just passed on him why would you spend nine potentially up to 13 million dollars on a rotational defensive end that you might only be able to use for three quarters of the season but you're paying him like a starting defensive end right not a not a top end defensive end but you're paying him like a starter when you're talking about when you get up to that conversation of incentives up to 13 million dollars right so it makes perfect sense that the saints who just declined starter eli apple's uh fifth year option which was $13.7 million for 2020, because they know that they're going to try to work out a cheaper deal with him. Why would you turn around and sign this rotational player for, first of all, money that you don't have, because the Saints don't have $9 million. They have about $8.8 million. They could have made a move to, to free it up. But that's the other thing, is that in order for you to have signed Zigianza then and not had him for a month of action, you also would have had to give up an asset on your team. You would have had to cut somebody for salary cap space. So that would have been more than likely Cameron Meredith or AJ Klein. And I just don't see either of those guys getting sent packing for somebody that's only going to play three quarters of the season and then only get about 200 snaps of the, you know, like a 200 to, to 400 snap share for the Saints. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't think at all that 
not signing Ziggy Anza should at all affect your perception of the Saints' successful offseason. Look at what else they did. I mean, they went ahead and addressed the returner position. And like I said, Marcus Shells is not a lock, but they addressed the position of need that they haven't had a playmaker at in many years since they're in Sproles, basically. And then you look at the signing of Jared Cook. Of course, we talked about it several times. Don't need to go over that again, but that's a huge win and a huge upgrade for the Saints' offense. You look at Malcolm Brown, getting him in, former first-rounder. Mario Edwards, also a former first-rounder. So adding to that defensive line, which to me, is still a concern the interior defensive line until they figure out exactly how it is they're going to work out three technique but maybe one of those guys is able to do that and David Onyemata doesn't end up suspended then I'm not concerned at all then I have nothing to be worried about at that point so we'll see what happens there but regardless still an upgrade at the position with where they were going to be starting the season without Sheldon Rankins right that's a pretty easy thing to upgrade you put a body there and you've upgraded but also being able to get somebody the caliber of Malcolm Brown and somebody with the versatility of Mario Edwards that's great. That's fantastic. And then, of course, returning these key special teams and depth assets like P.J. Williams is a depth asset who also plays also play special teams. You got Craig Robertson who does both. You've got uh, Justin Hardy, Chris Banjo. So you get all these guys that are coming back to the team as well. You maintain a solid core of what it is, you know, what it was that was so successful last season and maintain what that is. And then you boost Marcus Davenport's productivity by giving him more snaps. So you can see how I worked that out. I went ahead and I broke down Marcus Davenport's productivity from last season or his stats from last season on a per snap average and then extrapolated that over the additional snaps that I'm assuming that he'll receive with Alex Okafor out and then no real rotational defensive end. So I basically gave half of Alex Okafor's snaps from last season back to Marcus Davenport and then accounted for the three games that he missed and then looked at that. And that gives you seven and a half sacks for Marcus Davenport if he plays at the same pace that he played at last season. And I think you have to be happy with that. So I think that looking at Ziggy Anza signing in Seattle as being somehow a detriment to the Saints, essentially discounting them and their efficiency over the offseason or their effectiveness over the offseason for a player that they never had and a player that once the medicals came back, they clearly didn't want in the first place, just simply doesn't hold up. And so that's the way that I feel about it. I think the Saints have still had a very successful offseason, even without the signing of Ziggy Anza, even with Marcus, I'm sorry, Marcus, even with Mark Ingram signing in uh, Baltimore more because again, and and I'll do this over another article that I'm going to work on for next week. I'll do the same thing. We can look at what it was that Alvin Kamara was able to do over the first four games of the season without Mark Ingram, and then extrapolate that over and, and sort of average that out over 16 games, and then see exactly where do you lose productivity with what you lost with Mark Ingram versus what he gave you over 12 games last season. Is there really that much? You know, Can the Saints account for what they lose from Mark Ingram by increasing Alvin Kamara's snaps and giving some snaps to Latavius Murray, just like we're talking about making up for Alex Okafor's loss with by giving Marcus Davenport additional snaps and then finding another rotational player that rotates, you know, about half of or a quarter or I'm sorry, half of or three quarters of what Alex Okafor put on because there were some there were a lot of snaps last season, particularly those NASCAR packages where Okafor and Davenport were on the field at the same time. So you have to account for that as well. But I think the Saints are in a great position. I think that this is one of the best rosters that we see in the NFL right now and could potentially end up being yet again for probably the third year in a row, one of the most explosive offenses in the league. You know, you see a lot of people right now talking about the Saints are at the top of power rankings. The Saints are on top is the most exciting uh, offense in the NFL, the best offense in the NFL. So that's certainly something to think about as we answer that Mark Ingram question throughout the year. And again, I'll come back with that next week. But uh, right now, there's a ton to be excited about. 
and rookie minis are only going to get you more excited. Uh, these off-season workout programs are only going to get you more excited. We're learning more and more about this team, and the team is learning more and more about themselves. And so we'll get uh, we'll have some fun going into next week. We're going to do another NFC South, uh, another look at an NFC South opponent. We'll be talking to Aaron Freeman over at Locked On Falcons at the top of the week, and then Barry Hurstius will join us to talk about what he learned during mini camp. He'll share that. We'll get Thor Nystrom in for next week, and then we'll just continue to follow along with the offseason programs. All of the rookies are signed. Ziggy Ons is in Seattle, but you should still be happy. The Saints have a great undrafted free agent class and a great draft class going into the season. So uh, enjoy your weekends, everyone. Follow me on Twitter at Rosh at ASC. I'll be keeping you up to date with everything going on over at Rookie Minis, but I'm going to be away from the podcast for the weekend as per usual. So I'll see you back on Monday, and we'll talk about some Falcons, the hated ones. We'll talk about them. Uh, we got all that coming up for you next week. But for right now, I'd say, as I always do, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the podcast. And please take some time to rate, review, share, retweet. All of that helps out a lot. To find Locked on Saints, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Saints at home or in your vehicle. And be sure to subscribe on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the new podcasting app Himalaya so you know when the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. Thank you so much for all your support. Help me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust, Who Nation, I'll holla at you.